Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. Many are ready for the Word of God. Have you, uh, have you ever heard anybody say this, or maybe uh, you have made this statement when things are going tough, things are going difficult, and have you heard anybody say, the struggle is real? Yes. Have you said, yeah, yeah, have you said it? Yes. Oh yeah, she's like, every day, pastor, yeah, hey, like, hey, come on, turn to somebody and say, the struggle is real, come on, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and hopefully it's not because that person is beside you, come on now, that. <laughs> But, but I want to use, I want to use that phrase in, in light of where we are, where we are going today and what we are going to study as we begin a, a new sermon series on the book of Colossians, the, the book of Colossians. And I really want to encourage you on your own time that you would, that we, you would read these four chapters, that you would read this book. It is a, a phenomenal book that has more to do with the life that we are living and the struggle that we are facing today than, than you could actually uh, imagine. And I want to just give you a little bit of background about the book. I want to connect some of the dots for you so that, so that you will understand why Paul wrote this. Now, Colossae was a city or a town about 100 miles east of Ephesus. Geographically, it's the, the country we know today as Turkey. And so the gospel had, had come to this place. Paul had never been there. He had never met these people, but he heard of their faith. And because he heard of the faith, he heard of some of the struggles that they were facing. And so he wanted to write to them to encourage them in the Lord and to encourage them in faith. As, as a matter of fact, the, the AV team is going to put up a slide here. I don't expect you to memorize it all, but I want you to see a background, uh, a little bit of a background of the book and the things that we're going to be covering um, week over week. Because the reason that Paul really wrote to these believers was basically to say to them, All you need is Christ. Christ and Christ alone. You don't need anything else because they they were being threatened. They were being assaulted mentally, emotionally, spiritually by what Paul calls philosophies and empty deceit. Philosophy and empty deceit. And and what he was saying is these these ideologies, these thoughts, these battles of the mind are are trying to capture you. And, And if you can imagine that there were influencers, the influencers of that day, Paul called them false teachers. Isn't it amazing that of all the faiths, it always seems that false teachers arise within Christianity to always distort the truth. False teachers come to add a little bit or to take away a little bit. They have some of the truth and then they, they mix other things into the truth. And, and, and when you mix other things into the truth, you ruin the recipe. The purity of the recipe is, is lost. The authenticity is, is lost. And so they were under threat. There is a threat that began to rise, and so he, he writes to them. Now, here's what I want you to understand. So, they're, they're 100 miles about east of Ephesus, but, but there was an individual in Colossae named Philemon. We know from the book of Philemon, this is uh, Paul's friend. He's Paul's convert. Uh, Paul brought him to the Lord, an uh, influential person. He was a rich person. Most likely, the church would have met in his house. And you know the story that Onesimus, a slave, had, had run away from Philemon and then Paul had reconciled them and restored them. And, and, and so here's the connection of the dot. It's in this town, it's in this place of Colossae that we have, that we have Philemon, Onesimus that comes back. And you've heard Paul talk about uh, a, a man named Epiphras and most likely he's the one that had started the church and had brought the gospel to this area. But now something was, 
Something was happening. These philosophies, these empty deceits had, had begun to rise up to draw people away from Christ and, and to draw him away from the gospel, to draw them away. And, and you say, like, what, Pastor? What came up? Well, they, they began to teach things like, you know, the, the stars and, and the moon and, and following certain uh, high holidays. There was the worship of, of angels and the focus of, of terrestrial beings. Any sound familiar to you today? There was astrology and in their way, new age thinking, but that wasn't it. Then, then we had Greek influence of, of Aristotle and uh, you know others that, that rose up because some believed that the way to God was through higher education. It was through, through Greek wisdom and knowledge. And so you had all this idea about the moon, the stars, the worship of spiritual beings. Then you had Greek wisdom and, and not only Greek wisdom and knowledge, but then you had a Jewish influence there. And the Jewish influence was to bring the believers back to some sort of Judaism, bring, bring them back to the idea of, of the covenant uh, with Abraham and with Moses and circumcision. And yeah, 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 you know, you have Jesus, but, but you know, you're going to have to follow dietary laws and you're going to have to follow the, the ways of Judaism in order to be right with God. And, and Paul wrote this letter to say, no, you don't need any of that. You don't need Greek wisdom and knowledge and you don't need stars and moon and all the rest of it. You don't, you, you, you don't need to go back to the patterns of, of the old way. And some of us, sometimes we are, we are, you know, tempted or maybe we are coerced or maybe we are influenced to, to go back, to go back and somehow not leave Christ necessarily, but either add some things to him because people are influencing us in the wrong way. But not only that, then there was mysticism. It was all kinds of connection to the old cult and, 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 and this idea that you could be spiritual without Christ and, and tapping into realms and, and portals and power that really is a counterfeit to the power of God. And, and what Paul was saying is that's not the way either. This is not the, the way to follow. All you need, and I'm keeping to saying this because it's important that we understand is all we need is Christ. And that's it. And church, I'm going to say something. If you had no church, no prayer meeting, if you had no water baptism, if you had no sinner's prayer, if you had nothing of the things and the doctrines that we believe in, if we, you have nothing of those things, but you have Christ, you have enough. I'm not going to prove it to you. The thief at the cross never went to church. He wasn't water baptized. And Jesus never said to him, say the sinner's prayer. He never went to a prayer meeting. Now, are all those things biblical? Yes. Are all those things important? Yes. But how many understand that even without it, all we need is that person of Jesus and he is more than enough. And these believers were, were being challenged that he's not enough, that you need more and they had teachers, I'm sure, that were influential. I mean, think about the influence of that day. Think about the influence of, of our day where all you need to do is get on a computer or a phone and, and just hit a couple of keys and all of a sudden you can be in different worlds. You can get all kinds of information and ideas and knowledge. And, and, and the reality, my friends, is this. Whatever world you have either found yourself in or you find yourself now, it's usually because somebody led you there. Usually because somebody invited you. Usually because somebody opened your, your curiosity. You know, I heard somebody say recently that, that you know, we are shocked as Christians that, that we send our children to, to Caesar's houses of education and then we're shocked when they come back as Romans. The number one mandate of universities and colleges even before they educate your children is to wipe out any faith from their mind, their heart, their emotions, to, to, to basically destroy any aspect of God or thought of God. And then they what? They reprogram their minds. They, they re-enlighten them, if you will. But here's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying Jesus is the enlightenment. He, he is the light and he is the only way to God. The only way. I'm not trying to be, you know, derogatory. I'm not trying to, 
you know, knock down other gods and religions. I'm just telling you, we worship the God of gods. Not because I said, because he said it. And I'm going to prove it to you by the word of God. And so even on this slide, yes, it's still up there. You'll notice in, in chapter one, Paul gives instruction. We're going to go there right now. In chapter two, there's warnings. In chapter three, there's exhortation. In chapter four, there, there are reminders you know, to us as believers. But look at the theme. The theme of this whole book is that Christ is our supreme Lord and our sufficient Savior. And that's it. As a matter of fact, Paul uses 34 words that are not used anywhere in the Bible or anywhere in the New Testament because this letter, this letter is written in a bit of a combative tone. It is, it is to combat the lies. It is to combat the philosophies and the empty deceits. And I'm, I'm going to dive into some of them so that you can identify them, so that you can be aware of it, and so that you are not draw, drawn into drinking the Kool-Aid of the world. See, because they're... Their agenda is this. Their, their idea is, listen, worship anybody you want. Do whatever you want. As long as you adhere to our values. As long as you adhere to our belief system. We don't care where you go on a Sunday. We, we, we don't care if you kneel down, stand up, spit nickels. We don't care. We just want you to, to take our values as yours. And unfortunately, parts of the church have done that. Parts of the church that have become an apostate church. I had to drop off my daughter. I had to drop off my daughter at, uh, at a wedding on Saturday. We drove not, not too far away, Caledon near Orangeville. And we drove past, I think it was like past the United Church. And, and there is the, the flag. There's the gay flag flying prominently and proudly at a church. And I said to my daughter, that's no longer a church. Those are, they call themselves whatever they want, but they have apostated themselves. They have fallen away from the truth because they love the praises of men more than the praises of God. So we, we cannot change our, we cannot change our values. We, because God is, Christ has called us out of the world. He says, he says, I'm calling you to come out from among them and not to be like them. And therefore, to go back and be like them would be an atrocity to the Lord that died for us. It's not that we hate people. It's that we love people. It's not that we, we want them to walk in darkness. We want them to come into the light. And so I want us to stand this morning as we read the Word of God. Are we doing okay? I want to read out of that verse, Colossians 2 and 9. Notice what it says, speaking about Christ. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead body, everything. Everything dwells in Christ. Paul says, and you, you are complete in Him. I want you to think about that. You are complete in Him, period, end of story. You are complete in the Lord. Now watch this. Who is the head of all principality and power? In other words, at the victory of the cross, Jesus is now the head of all power, all authority, every demon, every, every mystic thing, every wicked thing, every throne, anything that exists, Christ is greater. That's what Paul says. And so, in chapter 1 and verse 9, speaking of their faith, he says, for this reason, we also, since we, the day we heard of it, we do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's a good prayer, prayer to pray for yourself, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Some scholars believe that that speaks of the gifts and the work of the Holy Spirit. In verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, which means that there is an unworthy way to walk. He says, fully pleasing him and being fruitful in every good work, be fruitful and multiply, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Not in philosophies, in God. He says in verse 11, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. In other words, that, that when we are increasing in the knowledge of God, we are actually gaining strength in glorious power. In verse 12, he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. Now, Pastor Jason read that Jesus is the heir of the Father, but in Jesus, you're also heirs. You have an inheritance. Don't throw it away. Don't despise it. 
Don't think of it as, as nothing. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us, or he's carried us or translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. How many can say they've been delivered from darkness? Come on, give God praise for that. The idea is to be transported or to transfer the title of property. In other words, you were the property of Satan and darkness, and now you're the property of the Lord. In whom we have the redemption. In other words, the Lord has bought us back through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. Can I just say this, church? I don't know what your background is. There is no other faith on the face of the earth that offers the forgiveness of sins like the blood of Jesus Christ. Everywhere else, you have to earn it. You have to somehow get right with God. You have to prove yourself. You, you have to perform and, and hope that what, whatever God you are worshiping will, will actually accept you and do you favors. And, and in reality, they don't even have the power of eternal life. He buys us back. He washes us. He redeems us. And then, then he goes in the into the preeminence, he says, Christ being the image of the invisible God, the, the firstborn of all creation. Who is that? That's us. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or powers or, or principalities, all things were created through him and for him. So, so watch this. When it talks about creation, it's either by him, for him, or through him. In other words, Christ has a connection. Whether the Father did it, the Spirit did it, it was either by him, for him, or through him. It's not a Big Bang Theory. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. My God. And then he says, not only that, he's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. We are the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Father, we thank you for your word. Please ponder these things, Lord. It's our minds to, to, to wrap our thoughts and our minds around these things, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are and for what you have done. We give you praise for this great company. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Come on, high five a few people around you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want you to look at verse 8 of chapter 2 with me just for a moment. We'll come back to, we'll come back to chapter 1. What Paul says in, in verse 8 of chapter 2, don't let anybody capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. My, my friends, we are, we are living, talk about empty deceit, we are, we are living in a day now, I believe I'm accurate when I say that there was a church service that 300 people attended and the service was run by artificial intelligence. The artificial intelligence did the announcements, did the worship, preached the word, gave the blessing and sent people home. There wasn't a human being involved and 300 people went there. And let me ask you the question, who are they worshiping? Who are you worshiping? Because as, as smart and intelligent as, as artificial intelligence can be, one thing it will never have, it will never have a soul. It will never have a spirit. Which means, my friends, it can never be connected to God. And as broken and as faulty as we are, God has made us in his image and he has given us a soul. He has given us a spirit and emotion so that we can connect and relate with him. So that we can understand him. You see, artificial intelligence can, can maybe understand the facts, but it cannot understand the heart of God. But this is the reality. This is the reality of where we're living. And Paul talks about the preeminence of Christ. What does that word really mean? Well, the word eminence itself, it means reputation or fame. It means, it means renown. 
So then the word pre, meaning first, is, is surpassing all others in superiority. What, what Paul is saying is Christ is superior to moon and stars and mysticism and angels and even, even Greek mythology and all these things that, that people come up with. And by the way, isn't it amazing that people would rather believe in things that cannot be proven than a Christ that lived and died and rose again? We don't make these things up. There is proof. He was a real man. He was a real person. People, people wrote about him. There is archaeological proof. It's, it's not that there isn't proof. It's that you don't want to believe it. You'd rather believe a lie. You would, you would rather believe empty things. And I, I was saying, you know, in the, in the first service that the, the more insane you are, the more people want to follow you. The dumber the things that you can say, the, the dumber the things that, that, that you can espouse to, the greater people want to adhere to what you're saying. Hmm? We, we would rather feed the insanity than help the insane come to a place of sanity. I don't know about you, but I, before I came to Christ, I was out of my mind. Christ put me in my right mind. He gave me wisdom and understanding. He gave me knowledge. He, he gave me enlightenment for this life and the life to come. And, and he's saying, hey, if you follow these ways and follow these standards here, here's how life will work out for you. But people don't want to believe that. They'd want to believe a lie and, 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 you know, and go on YouTube and social media and all the rest of it. And, and today, you know, boom, in a moment with a link, with a, with a, with a, you know, a clicking of a few keys, man, you could be in worlds that could absolutely destroy you. Absolutely destroy you. And, and here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that Christ has eminence. He has renown. He has, he has power. He has authority over all these things. And, and that you and I should not be captured in these things, my friends. This is the struggle. The struggle is the temptation to go back. Or the struggle is the temptation to add things or, or to have people come and say, well, you know what, if you would, if you would just do this, you know, if, if you would just become more Jewish. And by the way, church, listen, I, I'm pro-Israel. I have rabbi friends. We've done a lot of things for Jewish people. But I have no desire to become Jewish. And nor do I need to. Hello? I mean, even, listen, this is, this is why Paul, you know, Paul confronted Peter on this very issue. When, 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 remember when Peter, this is in the book of Galatians, if you want to look it up, the Bible says that Peter was with the heathen, with the pagan that had come to Christ. And he was eating with them and, and, and fellowshipping with them. And then some people came from Jerusalem. And when they came down, Peter then left the believers and began to act more Jewish. And Paul is watching the hypocrisy. And, and here's what Paul said. Even Barnabas, the son of encouragement, Paul said, he said, I, I saw that even Barnabas got caught up in their hypocrisy. He said, I withstood Peter to the face. He, he said to Peter, how is it that you being Jewish don't live Jewish, but you want the non-Jewish people to live Jewish? That's hypocrisy. And, and really what Paul was saying to Peter is, haven't you moved on beyond this? Haven't you moved on beyond the traditions of man and, and the traditions of the law? Don't you know that Jesus fulfilled these things for you, Peter, and that, and that you are liberated? That you're not bound to holidays. You're not, you're not bound to dietary laws. You know, those of you that think you're going to go to heaven because, you know, you have fish on Good Friday... Oh, I'm going to preach it now, bro. Here I go. Here I go. Man, the first thing that I did when, when, I, when I became born again, Jesus set me free on Good Friday. I had bacon, praise God. Not because bacon is necessarily good for you, but it says I'm liberated. I'm liberated from those things because in Christ, I fulfill the law. I don't have to follow these things. Now, now I'm not suggesting that, you know, bacon may not be good for you. I'm not suggesting you eat it. But I, for you, it's more like don't eat it because it's not good for you. Not because somehow God's going to be impressed by you. Huh? For 40 days. 
They call it Lent. They give up chocolate. Oh, pastor, I'm going to beat the flesh. I'm not going to eat chocolate for 40 days. But my God, I'm going to gossip every one of those days. And God's up there going, Woo, kill that chocolate, bro. Kill that chocolate. No. God is always looking at the heart. God is always looking at the attitudes. I think Jesus said something like this. It's not what goes into a person that defiles them. It's what comes out of the person that defiles you. Religion is always based on the outward appearance and, and looking good in front of people and looking good in front of God and somehow trying to impress God. And, and God is always x-raying the heart. And Paul says it's the preeminence. It's, it's not about food and angels and moons and all, the, and all the rest of it. And so he says, listen, don't get captured. Don't get captured in the philosophies of, of the day. And I began, to, I began to think about this. And I thought, Lord, what are some of the philosophies of our day? Well, one of the biggest ones that you hear, particularly in the month of June. And my God, I'm telling you, thank God the month of June is over because I've had enough. No disrespect, but I have had enough. The philosophy is, well, love is love is love. I have news for you. No, it's not. God defines love for us. God defines what appropriate love is for. He, he gives us the boundaries and the context of it. And, and you know, I, I've always wondered, I've always wondered, Lord, why, why, do you have to, why do you have to state the obvious? Because church, the obvious isn't obvious anymore. Huh? We have people that now identify. That's my second one. My, my second one is this gender fluidity. That you can choose your gender, how many, I mean, they're being created every day, every, probably by the time we came here, there's five more genders. But, but it doesn't even stop at that. Now, now you have people that are identifying as cats and dogs. And, and we're supposed to accommodate them and, and we're supposed to applaud them. How about we get them some prayer and some psychiatric help? But you see, we, we have made it political. We have politicized it. And, and don't you know that the moment that you speak the truth, you're, you're some kind of a phobic. You're, you're a bigot. You're, you're all the rest of it. Why? Because the philosophies clash. The values clash. And Paul is saying, listen, you, you, you once were among them. And by the way, he said, you were like them, but you are not like that in Christ. Then we have wokeness. Wokeness is an enlightenment to social injustices. And, and you know what I've noticed? That, that some of them, and I, I tell you, listen, if I tell you one of the groups, I'd probably lose half the church, but it's an amazing thing that those that cry out the most about social injustice are the greatest perpetrators of it. Mm. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm, be careful, pastor. Be careful. <laughs> Cancel culture. Cancel culture is what? That when you, are, when you are labeled as saying something inappropriate, they cancel you. Do you know that now they're calling the Bible, the word of God, inappropriate? Inappropriate. If, if in, the, in, in California where they passed the law, if you are a parent that will not immediately, you know, chop off the parts of your children and, and, and give them all kinds of drugs. You are deemed to be a child abuser and inappropriate, and they will take your children away from you. That's cancel culture. They are canceling the authority of parents so that what? So that they can destroy the lives of these young people. Church, what have I always told you? I've always told you, follow the money. Have I not told you that? In COVID, I told you, you want the truth, you follow the money. You, you want to understand this gender fluidity? Well, I've begun to follow the money. Do you know that this is close to a $4 billion industry? You think they care about people? You think they care about the, the, the dysphoria that these people are going through? They don't care. They recognize that these surgeries are big, big bucks. Big dollars. 
big money. That's what it's about. At the end of the day, follow the money. Then we have pantheism. Pantheism where witches and, Wic- and, Wicca, and Wiccas are connected to this. Pantheism is all about the creation of the earth. It's where you get Mother Earth and climate change and, and, and Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 says they, they worship the creation instead of the creator. And do you know what the price was for it? You know what the judgment of God was? Romans chapter 1, read it for yourself, 14 to 17. Because they worshiped the creation to the, instead of the creator, the Bible says God literally turned them over to homosexuality. Read it in your Bible. Read it in your Bible. It is, it is connection to worship. And, and my friends, I want to get to, into this in a moment, that when we're talking about mysticism, there is a connection between the, the spiritual world and sexuality. Always, always a connection. So, so we have pantheism. We have, we have climate change. They're going to save the world for you. They're going to save the world for you by taxing you. Carbon taxes. Because we're going to save the world. We're going to change the climate. And I'm like, you can't even solve the common cold. But you see, people love this. Oh, we're going we're gonna to be responsible people. We're going we're gonna to save the oceans. We're going to save the air and, and, and all the rest of it. And you know what God says? I'm going to burn it all with fire. I'm going to burn it all with fire and I'm going to recreate. Because it's my world. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the earth belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to the elites. It doesn't belong to the globalists. It belongs to the Lord. And the Lord's going to do what he wants to do with it. Now, do I believe in clean air and fresh water? 100%. But do I believe in you taxing me falsely? And solving nothing? No, I have an issue with that. And telling me that I need to worship Mother Earth over Father God is not going to happen. But we, we, we buy into this. Do you know, I don't even know if you know this, they, they have something called the Green Bible. Where, where, they have, where they have taken uh, passages of the word of God that deal with the earth and what have you. And, and by the way, is God interested in the earth? Of course he is. I mean, he told Adam and Eve to, to make the earth look like the garden. God's interested in it too. What God is not interested in is the worship of it. That the earth is made for people. Not to serve it. And people are made to serve and to worship God. So we have pantheism, but, but then we also have self-autonomy. What is, what is the philosophy of self-autonomy? Really, it's the love of death. That if we're not killing babies in the womb, now we want to kill babies after they come out of the womb. And, and then if you grow old enough, then, then all of a sudden, you know, you are self-autonomous. You can take your own life. And, and they use words like dying with dignity. Doesn't that sound, sound sweet? Assisted suicide. They, they, they are telling people, church, listen, they, they are telling people, why, why wait till you are sick? Why don't you just take your own life now? But, but you see, when, when you teach people a philosophy that there is no God, there are no consequences, there, there is no eternal life, you're just going to fall asleep and nothing's going to happen, then, then people just do whatever they want because they have removed the sacred from the heart. Therefore, anything that would rule people or, or give them a sense of right and wrong is wiped out. But you didn't give yourself your own life, nor can you take it away. That's what the Bible teaches but you see, we are, we are moving away from the word of God. We are moving away from these standards. We are moving away from these laws. And even in their time, Paul was concerned. And, and church, let me tell you, I'm concerned as well. That people are adding, that people are dabbing into spiritual things. And, and I, I was sharing with Pastor Moses, I have, I have never heard in, in all my time being saved and all my time in ministry, I have never heard of so much quote-unquote spirituality that is being mixed with the power, the anointing, and the move of the Spirit of God. People that are dabbling into things they shouldn't dabble in, and then they call it the anointing. 
ministries. I just had I just had someone in my office this week, this week, someone in my office saying, you know, pastor, I, you know, this is the church that, that I came from. As a matter of fact, I'd given her a prophetic word that set her free from this church. And, and they were into all kinds of spiritualism and astro projection. And she said, you know, you, you might have heard of it about in the news. And then, and then she was, and I could tell you the name of the church. And, and she said to me, but let me tell you, Pastor, in that church, the amount of people dying dead of cancer, people in car accidents, people's marriages falling apart. You see, church, you, you can't dabble in that stuff and think that there isn't a price. The Bible is very clear. God will not be mocked. You won't mock God. You're not going to mock God. Eventually, there will, there, there will be a day of reckoning. But people are, people are getting into all this stuff and talking about things like the third eye. You know what the third eye is? The third eye is a counterfeit to the prophetic. What, what, we, what we brought here, the authentic, the genuine, you saw the ministry of prophetess Nancy that, that what? Spoke words, I mean accurate words, powerful words. Why? Because she's a psychic? Because she has the third eye? No, because she's connected to the Spirit of God. But you see, you see, because the things of God are expensive, the gifts of God come with holiness. The gifts of God come with connection and prayer. Then it's easy to dabble in other things mm, and then say, oh, this is God. And, and as long as you are wowing the people with some sort of demonstration, people go, ooh, oh, that must be God. You know why? Because we are not discerning the Spirit of God. Huh? I had a lady in our church. Talked to me about being connected to a, a ministry and still was she at that time she was in our church and she was connected to a ministry and talking to me about we're in realms, we're in realms of the spirit pastor that, that you don't understand. I said, enlighten me. Enlighten me of your realms that you are going into and talking to me about balls of fire coming down and all these things in their dreams and whatever. And I just said, okay, well, I just said, hey, show me in the word of God. Prove it to me since I'm so ignorant and you're now beyond me. And I'm not suggesting church that I know everything, but if you know more than I do, then explain it to me, but they can't explain it to you. And if you can't explain it to me and if you can't prove it to me by the word of God, that says to me, you're in error. I don't care what you're experiencing. I don't care if the Apostle Paul shows up. I don't care. If it's not in the Word of God, it's not the truth. And Paul made a statement. Paul said, he said, do you love me less because, you, because I tell you the truth? It, it is perplexing to me as a pastor that when I tell people the truth and when I say to them, do you see that light? That light is a train and it's coming to run you over. And when I say to them, that train is going to destroy you rather than saying, you're a good pastor. You're a good man. You really love me. They say things like, well, we're beyond you. Okay, well, let me know when those tracks come and run over you. But you see, you're... Your heart is broken because you see the catastrophe that is going to happen. You see how people are, are captured and, and there, there are real things today. My friends, listen, there are people that are operating in pulpits. They're not operating by the Spirit of God. They're operating by another spirit. They're bewitching people. And usually those people draw people to themselves. These things are in the Bible. Angels... Angels are in the Bible. We, we hear of, of the manifestation of the Spirit, but they always come to lead us to Christ. If they are leading you somewhere else, they're not of God. I had a meeting in my office with a woman, and Candace was with me. I said, you know, you need to be with me. And in, in, in the midst of various things, I asked this woman, what I thought was a simple question. Are you connected to other spiritual power other than that of God? I think that's a pretty straightforward question. What do you mean, pastor? And I'm like, well, what do you mean what I mean? Are you connected to anything else of a spiritual nature that is not the spirit of God? Well, 
well, can you give me some descriptions? I said, you know what? And I did describe, I said, it's a pretty yes or no answer. Yes, you are. No, you're not. But by you really acting like a politician, what you're really telling me is you're connected to something. You're connected to something. And, and it, was, it was not only, church, listen to me, it was not only mystical and spiritual and demonic, but then it became very twisted sexually. Am I telling the truth? Because there is a connection to this mysticism and spirituality and to weird kinky sex. And, and you, know, you, know, you know what's amazing? Some of the things that, that God tells us in the Bible, don't do these things, but he doesn't really give us a lot of detail. If you actually go find out from the dark side, the dark side will give you details. I'm gonna get personal. You know, today, piercings, tattoos, all these things that were associated with paganism and darkness, today God's people put them on like it's nothing. Hey, hey listen, if a tattoo shouldn't be put on your body, whether it says Jesus or not is not the issue. Just a couple of hand claps. Because the rest of you are tattooed. <laughs> Now, church, what am I saying? The Bible doesn't give you a lot of detail of why you shouldn't get pierced and why you shouldn't get tattooed. The Bible doesn't give us a lot of details. It just says to us things like, hey, don't do these things. But watch this. If you go to the dark side, if you go find out the roots of these things, the devil is more than happy to tell you why. We had to, I had to go research something in this meeting. I, had to, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was, and I, I don't even want to tell you the title because some of you might go research it. I had to go research what this thing was on a sexual thing, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. Let me go find out. And, and when I went and found out, I found out that masturbation was connected heavily with this thing that I was researching that this person in front of us was involved in. But then you have teachers today of the Bible that says, well, you know, Masturbation is not in the Bible, so if, if, God, doesn't, if God doesn't mention it, then it must be okay. Well, really, why don't you go talk to the devil and see what he has to say about it? We lack knowledge. We, we lack discernment. Church, we have, we, have, we have people, listen, we have people in, in, in Christian circles that, that are even practicing swapping spouses. This is, they remain, you know, back in the day, I think the term was swingers now. I don't know what the term is, but, but everybody's, everybody is consensual. Everybody is, is okay with it. And I, I was having, listen, I had conversations with, with people that said to me, it, it was like, I, I had to say, I had to understand what you're saying to me. So it'd be like, it'd be like, Pastor Carolyn and I have a couple over for coffee or dinner and we're talking, whatever. And then somebody brings up the subject, hey, let's swap wives or husbands or whatever. And three of the four people were in agreement. And they said to me, now these are, they said to me, well, what's the harm if everybody consents? What's wrong with that? And so I said, oh, I said, why don't we go rob a bank right now when we get arrested and we go in front of the judge we go judge we all consented it's okay and and church, why am, I, why, am I, why am I being so raw with you today? Why am I being so real? Because, because these things are infiltrating the church. They're, they're infiltrating particularly young people because they are wanting to brainwash people and they will have a generation that will have no connection to the word of God, to the standards of God, and they think everything's just okay. Is it any wonder is it any wonder that, that the Bible says that in the last days, dangerous times will come? Are you noticing that crime is on the increase? You know why? 
People don't care about God and they don't care about human beings. We, we, we have a family, precious, precious family in, in our own church who uh, a member of their family was shot in the head in the United States in a parking garage. You know why? They, they actually arrested the individual and you know the reason why he gave for shooting this 21-year-old man dead? He said, I, I wanted to get into a bar and they wouldn't let me in and, and so I got angry and I just started shooting everybody I could find. That, that, that is the condition. That is the condition of humanity. That, that's what happens when you move, remove God, you remove Christ from the equation. People are angry, people are unfulfilled, people believe they're owed something. There's no dignity, there's no respect, there's no honor. And, and Paul is saying here, you haven't learned Christ like this because, because Christ is preeminent in all things. In church, I want to challenge you. Some of you, I'm, I'm not naive. Corey, you can go ahead. I'm not naive to think that there aren't people online or, or people even in our midst that are, that are not having thoughts or ideas or, or maybe influencers are working on you. People are inviting you. People are, people are putting a suggestion in your mind. Hey, maybe you need to try this. Or, hey, maybe you need to come to this. Most people arrive at where they are today because somebody led them there. You probably came to Christ because somebody led you to Christ. Where, where, where are they leading you? What message are they giving you? And, and do you have the understanding that apart from Christ, you need nothing else? I was walking, give God praise, yeah. You know, I have this funny thing. Well, I don't know if it's funny, but sometimes people will text me, the staff and others, and, and they'll say to me, hey, pastor, make sure you get some rest. And I always respond by saying, well, there's no rest for the wicked. And they're like, oh, pastor, you're not wicked. And I'm like, well, I don't know about that. I'm not wicked in the sense of what Christ has done for me. But, but how many understand you recognize your own humanity, recognize your own failures. And I'm walking and praying yesterday. <laughs> Pastor Carolina texted me, where are you? I'm like, I'm praying. She goes, it's raining. I said, they invented umbrellas. It's okay. <laughs> and I'm, I'm out on the street and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, there is no other way that I could ever be right with you other than your grace. I, 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 it's not my preaching it's not my ministry it's not my prophetic gifting it's, it's not my leadership it's not, it's not anything I do for Christ it's, it's none of those things it's not, it's not I'm a good family man and I'm, and I'm decent to my neighbor not, none of it, none of it the only thing that makes me right with Christ is Christ is that I believe and I said Lord all I can tell you is I believe in you. I, I believe in your work and I believe that there is nothing else that I could add. There's nothing else that I could take away. There, there is nobody else that I can turn to. There's nobody above you. There, there's nobody with more power, no anointing. And, and maybe some of you and, oh man, you know, you can catch the rest of my notes online but but listen some of you that maybe you live under guilt and condemnation maybe you're living under the the heaviness of the past and you're thinking oh if if I go to church if I if I go to ministry if I if I serve and maybe if I maybe if I just give a little bit more money and and, and maybe if I just give a little bit of my, my, a little bit more of my time and and then that'll impress God the only thing that impresses God is God and hopefully when, when he looks at you and when he looks at me, he sees us through the lens of his son and through the blood. 
And that he says to you and me, you're an heir. You're an heir. And that everything I have is yours. You're, you're an heir. And, and you know what I recognized? The church, I want you to understand something, that when, you are, when you're feeling down, when you're praying prayers like that, of repentance, of, of, of sorrow, of not woe is me, but you understand when you, when you recognize your own inadequacies, you know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about falseness and stupidness. I'm talking about you genuinely, you see the heart of God. Do you recognize that's the mercy of God? The, the, the fact that you are leaning into God is actually evidence that God is drawing you. You, you didn't come up with it on your own. You, there is nothing in us that draws us to God. You don't, you don't wake up and go, hey, today I'm brilliant. I'm spiritual. I want God. No, it's God's mercy always pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, drawing us in, drawing us in. That's why, and I'll close with this. That's why even when the children of Israel were banished to Babylon. Worship team, you can get ready. Had made God so angry that he judged them. Stand with me, church. This is where we get the Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says to a rebellious people, I know the plans that I have for you. They are, they are O'Neill, they are good plans to prosper you and to give you a future, and to give you hope. Church, God always has hope for you. God, God always has a future for you. God, God always has good plans for you, even on your worst day. Amen. Get it right. Come on, get it right today. If you're, if you're dabbling, if you have influencers, whether they are spiritual, natural people, if they're in your ear, get it right. Silence those voices. And I want to give you confidence, like the thief on the cross, that that thief said, I'm about to die, but I'm putting my confidence in you. I'm putting my belief in you. And, and by the way, church, listen, listen, the state of Jesus was like the state of that man. He could have said, you're condemned too. You're dying like a criminal too. Isn't that what the other thief said? But you see, this thief saw something. He said, see, your, your, your condition looks like mine, but you're not who I am. And you're going somewhere else. And I want to go where you're going. And so he said, will you remember me? He, church, I got to help somebody. He didn't say, can I come with you? He didn't say, can you take me with you? He said, when you arrive, we'll, 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 wherever, wherever you're going, could you just remember me because I'm probably going to be somewhere else. Hallelujah. Can, can you just remember this conversation? Can because we're about to die and, and I don't know what happens after we leave this life but it seems like you're in charge of the afterlife and, 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 and you seem to know where you're going can you just remember me Father will you just remember us Father these are your people Father I remind you what you said in that prophetic word that those that I cannot fix you will heal. And I declare healing over all those who said to me that I could not fix. And I will do my best, Lord, to fix as many as I can, but, but you said to me they are mine. And those that I cannot fix, you will heal. Heal them, I pray, my Father, and bring us to the preeminence of Christ.